0: space and time, could you stay with me, would you leave my side without gravity, for there's nothing to keep you from me, oh there's nothing. Hey, this is B.T. Wolf, and you're listening to Orange Juice for the Years on Dub Lab. And today, it is such a pleasure to be joined by multi-instrumentalist, laughter therapist, cosmic composer, Laraji.
1: Good morning.
0: Good morning. Laraji is a musician, mystic, and laughter meditation practitioner based in New York. He began playing music on the streets in the 1970s. Improvising experimental jams on a modified auto harp. One night in Washington Square Park, Brian Eno saw Laraji play and invited him to record an album for his seminal ambient series. Laraji's extensive body of work, much of which he recorded at home and sold as cassettes during his street performances, has since seen high-quality re-releases from boutique record labels like Stone's Throw, soul jazz records and the numero group laraji's truly celestial music is exactly that as laraji describes the intention is to lift the listener out of their emotional heaviness in this world space and provide a glimpse of an alternative space laraji it's so so wonderful to have you here today
1: thank you i feel welcome and did
0: and we just heard a song which we made together, which as yet doesn't really have a title, but I like to think of it as Orange, um, because that's something that seems to connect us both. Have you done quadraphonic tracks before?
1: I don't recall being involved with a project of this nature, not designed for a quadraphonic play. Of course, I've recorded multi-tracks.
0: What did it feel like to hear that in the quad setup? I got
1: to hear it in New York at the Ace Hotel, and it was uh, demonstrated in four, four speakers. Softly immersive. It was easy to just be present in the listening experience. Very positive. Nice. I heard more, or felt more, than listening to it in stereo.
0: I agree. You feel a lot of other, well, I think it's both frequencies, but it's where they're coming from. Um, And even being able to have the, you know, the motion of the track and there's a lot of motion.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. Movement rather than just stereo field is a quadraphonic field now.
0: So I'm so happy we met and we met through um, Kamran and he was doing this quadraphonic release to celebrate bedrock's 10-year anniversary, and Dub Lab's 20-year anniversary. Um, and I remember our first phone call, and uh, your aura or your presence definitely, you can definitely feel it even if I'm in L.A. and, and you're in New York. So um, I was really delighted that we got to work together. Fun. And what else is going on for you here in in L.A. this time?
1: What initiated this visit to... L.A. was an invitation to my partner and myself to perform at the Lodge Room, which happened last Saturday. And after the visit was confirmed, then we uh, were extended a visit to play for the Art and Resilience Festival in Ojai. And this week is with uh, Dub Lab's anniversary celebration tomorrow and also just to get some committed sunshine and warmth from the California kind.
0: So the nature of this show, Orange Juice for the Years, um, which is taken from an Oliver Sacks quote about the power of music and how it goes way beyond just entertainment. I, I'll ask every you know guest who comes on the show what this specific quote means to them. And the quote is, "'Music can lift us out of a depression or move us to tears.'" It is a remedy, a tonic, an orange juice for the ear.
1: Uh, I I think I understand that we take our cues from the most dominant influence or presence in our environment. And uh, if we are in uh, a flow of depression, it could mean that we're taking our cues from a negative thought or from a limited sense of who and what we are at this particular point in our evolution. Music can overpower that inner suggestion or that inner object of focus and provide the listener with a different sense of environment, a different sense of space, time, architectonal feeling so that the listener can be lifted out of the sense of being in a corporal body grounded by gravitation and transferred into a sense of being omnispatial, ultra-low density, super-luminous a being that is beyond the experience of depression or beyond the, the symptoms of being in a mortal body.
0: Wow. <laughs> could not have put it better <laughs> myself. That was amazing. Um, and talking about the power of music, let's also talk about the power of laughter. The
1: well, power by its infectious, contagious quality can reconnect someone who is not presently connected to their laughter or the joy of existence can over once again provide an environment a stimulating environment sound environment within which the focus of the listener is shifted from objects of depression and woe onto to sensation of joy and celebration the uh, wise ones say that our basic fundamental nature is bliss that's home base Uh, And when we peel away the layers and the ribbons that have tied us up into uh, whatever we call ourselves, we peel away these ribbons, these layers, and the underlying residual or the underlying foundation is an ocean of eternal bliss. Laughter is a language of bliss, laughter. Supposedly, if we're laughing fully, heartily, totally in it, uh, we're not processing linear thinking. And... We lift out of linear thinking and we can arrive, be present as an eternal presence. So laughter is a way of shaking off the uh, ribbons, shaking off the layers that keep us distracted from our base nature, bliss, joy. And it's infectious quality, even if the listener is not aware of themselves as being bliss or as being an eternal consciousness stream. Someone else's Laughter, whether it's from a child or a hyena. We don't laugh if the hyena is too close though. <laughs> Get thou hence, hyena. <laughs> so <laughs> So the infectious <laughs> quality of laughter can break the, um, the spell of mundane heaviness for us.
0: <laughs> Which you just demonstrated <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> oh, wow. <And>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: seeing you laugh. Um, this morning when you came in and you saw the orange juice for the year bottle with your face on it and watching your reaction to that, that immediately uplifted my entire day. So I, I totally agree with you. Um, now, you know, just talking about some of the music that, uh, makes up your DNA that has sort of, you know, shaped you over the years. Um, what was the first song that imprinted on you?
1: As I can most easily remember, it must have been Jingle Bells, the Christmas song. It starts up somewhere right after Thanksgiving, and suddenly you hear the songs, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh, hey, Jingle Bells. Of course, when we were young, we, we heard the rhythm. And so it would come a jangle, bell, jingle bell, jingle all the way. <laughs> That's what we heard. Then you know, we get better at our diction. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. And it was a happy song. You could could visualize uh, a sleigh and snow and horses pulling the sleigh and bells jingling. Of course, that wasn't uh, part of our immediate environment, but uh, it drew us into a almost a mythical um, fantasy environment
0: let's take a listen even though we had the perfect rendition let's take a listen to jingle bells by ella fitzgerald dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh o'er the fields we go laughing all the way bells on bobtail ring Making spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing A sleighing song tonight Oh, jingle bells,
1: jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is Yeah, Ella.
0: Perfect. That was Ella Fitzgerald uh, and Jingle Bells, and I'm here, this is Orange Juice for the Years on Dub Lab, BT Wolf, and I'm here with the wonderful Laraji, and we're talking about his Orange Juice for the Years, and that was Uh, The song that he first remembers sort of imprinting on him as a, how old were you?
1: See, uh, I was eternal. But the body was about, I guess, two or three. And uh, generally what comes with that is uh, a high promotion of Christmas holidays coming. So there was getting ready for the Christmas tree, gifts, gifts. Cold weather up in northeast United States, New Jersey, and wearing heavy clothes. But the excitement of Christmas, it sort of stoked the fire of Santa Claus is coming, yo. <laughs> didn't, question, didn't question Santa Claus at all. No. We didn't have a chimney. I don't know how he got in that house. <laughs> I don't know, you <laughs> Christmas... And um, we didn't question the idea that he would service a whole planet with one sleigh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why question these things? No, no,
1: no, as a child, no. That's the childlike imagination is open.
0: And you say that your body was born, um, was it just outside of Philadelphia?
1: Probably inside Philadelphia. I don't know what area. Hanuman Hospital Mm. was the uh, scene and... uh, of 1943 at um, the body the family we lived until technically i was two years old we moved to new jersey mm. Perth, Amboy, new jersey
0: and was music a big part of your upbringing
1: yes significant church was going to church on sunday sunday school then church And uh, you had two choirs in our church, the Second Baptist Church. It took me a little while to understand the difference between First Baptist and Second Baptist. First Baptist was usually all non-colored, and Second Baptist was all colored, usually from the south. And so we had two choirs, uh, usually a southern gospel choir and usually a a general, more sedate choir. And an organ player, so music, singing was a large Part of the opening, the middle, and the closing of church services. And occasionally programs in the afternoon or in the middle of the week that would invite visiting choirs. And I remember uh, being exposed to Negro spirituals by visiting college choirs from the South, having a lovely listening experience to that.
0: And you also picked up um, music yourself pretty early in terms of, was it the violin and the piano?
1: yes. Our school system in Perth Amboy, New Jersey, encouraged music at the fourth grade level. No, I think I was, my body and I were 10 years old. We're two twins. So their violin was my choice. We were given a choice of violin, trumpet, or clarinet. And something in me at a cellular level jumped at the opportunity to explore the violin, and my mother was very open to it. And shortly after the violin, uh, my mother also noticed my interest in piano. She obtained a piano, upright piano, and had that put that in the house. And so there I was with piano and violin, also singing with the church and school choirs. And eventually into high school, we added the trombone. So I was playing the trombone, marching with the high school marching band, playing for football games playing uh, second violin in the school orchestra. We played a lot of Broadway music, Jerome Kern and Rodgers and Hammerstein, and also singing in the choir. So that was full musical. And off, out of school, singing doo-wop on the corners, occasional groups would pop up, and I would hang out on the corner singing doo-wop. You know what doo-wop is? Yeah. I haven't met anyone who doesn't know what doo-wop is. I bet you if I go to outer Mongolia, (laughs) you know what doop is? Oh, I know what it is. (laughs) Everybody knows doop, and I'm impressed. How do you know about doop? I thought it was just indigenous to uh, the street corners.
0: And you said, um, you know, I read somewhere that you said, music gave me the wings to escape from the tyranny of the adults and move into other dimensions.
1: Yes. I would imagine many teenagers or young people cannot relate to that. So when you go to your room, shut the door and crank up the sounds, (laughs) and then uh, what you're doing, your wings, yeah, it takes your emotional imagination out into uh, other realms so you can feel a lack of restriction, lack of harnesses open, soaring, diving, dancing, or some could call it numbing out could uh, just block your uh, numb your senses to any oppressive elements in your environment
0: so it sounds like music was from a very young age part of your life and then you went and studied composition and piano at Howard University Um, but then your focus at that time was more on comedy
1: it was both on beautiful music, wanting to compose and make beautiful music, and comedy, stand-up comedy. So the Howard University scene uh, introduced me to a couple of brothers who were funny as the Dickens, and uh, we teamed up and did music, did uh, comedy for the homecoming celebrations. Usually, I think it's around November or so. And uh, stand up comedy for, I guess, some private events. And that uh, encouraged me to, at, after four years of Howard University, to come to New York and experiment with uh, trying my hand at stand up comedy in uh, New York City. Started with the bitter end, floated it around.
0: What tools did you learn through that? Through the what? Through comedy, through stand up performances, and. Uh, well,
1: Through stand-up comedy, I learned how to sit down. (laughs) But I also learned uh, that my focus was uh, still developing, and it was going hand-in-hand with my exploration of consciousness, mind science, and metaphysics, and positive thinking. And what clashed was my, uh, my sophomoric humor and understanding the laws of consciousness, that is... Polarizing, u- using elements of polarization in comedy. And yet I was studying the laws of unity through mind science. So eventually uh, I abandoned uh, stand up comedy as uh, uh, my focus of future because it was conflicting with my underlying understanding that we're all one and that getting laughter at the expense of polarizing was an expense. I was no longer willing to. And the blessing was somewhere later on down the line, I was blessed to to find that I could really re-enter that field of the joy of laughter through laughter workshops where necessarily you don't have to polarize someone.
0: I love that. I think that is so true. And I think um, it's very astute to realize that because a lot of people just would see laughter whatever form is being positive but obviously if it's if there's a negative consciousness attached then
1: yes it uh, it's laughter jokes they're all forms of affirmations and uh, they're statements if you laugh one way you're actually affirming that we're in a limited body and we are on opposite poles of reality and it can reinforce a negative belief or myth about ourselves as race or as a civilization.
0: Tell me about the first album and I know it's not specifically an album but uh, let's say album in quotation marks that shaped who you are.
1: Oh, the audience experience, it never happened. The reason why is because the teaching is that it, the now is the constant and everything is going on now. But for the sake of the listener who's wondering what the heck am I talking about? <laughs> It happened, 1974, during my explorations with meditation, mind science, various forms of uh, mind-altering uh, recreation, <laughs> and uh, deep meditation, a deep discipline, a discipline of um, sitting in an easy chair from about 12 midnight to about 5 in the morning, and the practice was usually opened by deep breathing, uh, focusing and taking off all layers, mentally discharging all titles from my sense of self. Sometimes it would take about five minutes to peel away every layer, every title, every classification that has ever been used to refer to me until I was left with this wide open field of awareness that was not bound up in any roles or responsibilities or titles. And it was easy just to be present in that easy chair and just feel timelessness and feel just receive teachings uh, on the transcendental level usually that started about 12 o'clock at night so this particular night I decided to go out for a walk near JFK Airport it was probably winter because I remember returning and taking my coat off in the front room of the house and making eye contact with myself in the mirror and Suddenly, I was aware. Suddenly, I was immersed in this hearing experience. This is what I would say at the time. I was hearing music that was unlike any other music I'd heard. Multiple layers of brass instruments just soaring and jamming and just winding this most insane... Uh, you could call it jazz, beautiful celebration. Uh, there was no sensation of it ever having had a beginning or an ending. And it, uh, it was activating an emotional response inside me, uh, emotional memory of what eternity is and uh, the unity of everything, a unified field of everything going on now. Uh, My analytical side was saying, how is this happening? This isn't the kind of sound that is emanating from some radio upstairs and coming to my ears uh, by wave or compressions. This was myself as consciousness being aware as a field of infinite sound music. So I knew I couldn't record this, I couldn't write it down. I was saying, what am I going to do with this experience? Because it set a new model for what I wanted to do as a musician. And that is, I'd like to have this experience and share it with the world. I mean, this is what music is about. Finding your groove, finding your, your mystical, magical, musical formulas and recipes, and then sharing them with your... Heal your kinfolks, your civilization. So that might have lasted about five or ten minutes, and uh, after it subsided, I went into my meditation practice. And the next day, I'm just kind of mesmerized by what was that all about. I went to a Lincoln Center Library music library. And started just groping around for trying to find something that would talk about this experience. And I did find some books from uh, the Sufism, also from uh, yoga traditions, and uh, some scientific traditions, talking about the music of the spheres, the inner sound current, the uh, nadam, the soundless sound. And I said, ah. And uh, a yoga book broke it down for me. said there are ten aspects of this listening experience and one of them was brass instruments hearing brass instruments and that this sound is not heard with the physical ears it's a non-physical sound which explain why I was having an experience of it not emanating from some linear location and that the sound is uh, some call it the sound vibration of the pranic field or the ocean of the non-differentiated field and yogis say that this sound any one of the ten varieties, can lift the consciousness out of being hardwired into a personal history body, individual body, lift that consciousness being out of that and into its expanded universal sense of self. So yogis and yoginis use this sound as a deliberate tool for advancing consciousness along its evolution. Uh, I did... I became aware also that this sound, if it's heard by someone who isn't ready to use it for higher evolutional uh, focus, that it's very annoying because it's so present. It's more present than anything else than in anyone's life. It's more present than having an unexpected child. <laughs> <laughs> this,
0: <laughs>
1: this sound is so present that it's annoying. It's distracting. And so it's titled tentonitis I believe and doctors uh, are invested in helping someone who isn't ready to embrace it with loving respect to mask it or to dim it out or numb it out. And when I hear people in that case, I say, wow, you've got a gift there. And uh, of course, they're not ready to receive it that way as a gift. It's annoying. It's distracting. It can distract you from what you feel is your essential purpose in life at this moment.
0: But in fact, that connected you with what you felt was your essential purpose in life.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Of course, I had to do some research on it to understand it more clearly what it was, so I wouldn't misrepresent it.
0: So that began a new path for you. And I know that you swapped your guitar for an auto harp, and that was this um, also very pivotal moment where this instrument kept on unfolding in a way like a meditation.
1: Yes, that uh, incident in the pawn shop happened about a month or so after that hearing experience or that sound experience that never happened. It was also at a time I was living in South Ozone Park in Queens, and what was convenient for me at the time was to walk and visit with uh, a meditation community that was founded around a teacher called Sri Chinmoy, and his platform was heavily soaked in music and uh, musicians and inspiring his students to uh, give a lot of respect to music and the power of music in your spiritual evolutionary life. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if my kind of loose association with that community at the time helped me to be prepared for having that kind of experience
0: And you then started bringing um, that meditation and sound onto the streets and busking with you know, that intention um, Tell me about how you got your new name
1: mm, Busking, which wasn't the term I was using at the time I, I was using the term making money (laughs) I was making money I was also experimenting with the idea of this new sound because it seemed to help me harness the memory of that sound which I can't produce on this side of the veil Um, that sound opened me up to another dimension, altered dimension. You know, you, you run around thinking there's four walls, three dimension, maybe four dimension. And suddenly, this sound made me very aware, intimately, of another dimension that's permeating this seemingly concrete world. And so, here I was now, with this ability to focus upon and as an alternative dimension. And the zither kind of provided me with ability to craft a sound that would address that emotional memory awakening inside myself. And playing on the sidewalks in New York with the open tunes zither allowed me to tap into the drone, harmonic drone. Drones helped to awaken the sense of the continuum of consciousness. And playing on the sidewalks of Brooklyn and Manhattan would attract people, producers, uh... workshop leaders or meditation people and they would kind of steer me toward yoga groups or meditation groups or uh, uh... spiritual centers in new york one of the spiritual centers was a place called the tree of life in harlem owned and operated by a brother named kanya kekumbi and i would go to that corner of 125th street and lennox avenue at this bookstore the tree of life And offer my music for their psychic fairs or any uh, event that was going on there. I'd play outside on the sidewalk. And two of the brothers at that time, after listening to my music for a year, said, You know, we've been listening to your music for a year, Edward. And we we think that uh, the experience we're getting from your music, we did some research and came up with a new name for you. uh, Edward doesn't seem to match our experience of the music that's coming through you. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, you've got a name for me? You know, I'm thinking, if they reveal the name to me and I don't like it, this is going to be embarrassing. So I said, let's meet in Central Park tomorrow and we'll have a ceremony. So we met in Central Park. Well, up to that point, they didn't know me that personally to know that I had had a deep experience with the sun and that I was opening to having a new spiritual name that would be three syllables and would have embrace the sun. They didn't know that. And when they revealed the name to me, it was Laraji, which was a name that honored the divine aspect of the sun coming down into civilization and lifting humanity up. And I was impressed. Wow. Three syllables, do with the sun. And I altered it by adding one more A to the name so that there would be an uppercase three triangles visible to the eyes. I didn't know at the time that in Egypt, Ra had two A's. I didn't. All of this is happening. So I accepted the name La Raji about 1979. And the first thing I didn't do was call home and say, "Mom, I got a new name." <laughs> That's the first thing you don't do. When you, What's wrong with the name I gave you? <laughs> and I said, "Well, it's still." involves Larry Gordon, Edward Larry Gordon, Larry G. She embraced the name. And uh, so there I was. And I had a numerological value of seven. And so there I was. And uh, my early fear didn't really pan off. I thought, gee, if I start changing my name, I'll keep changing my name for a better and better one. But Laraji stayed with the case.
0: It's pretty perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Laraji, what is the music you would send into space?
1: Uh, interesting. You say that you gave me that question earlier, but after speaking about this non nonlinear sound, uh, I probably would send the music that allows the listener, if the listener is listening with their heart or listening with their brain or their cerebral cortex, send the music that stimulates the listener enough and then... Subsides and lets the listener hear that eternal, omnipresent sound. And then the music that I think I would send in would be uh, I forgot which one I gave you, would be uh, music in a celestial water garden, (laughs) which is a wafting, drifting kind of music that contains water sounds and also suggests a state of peaceful, comforting contemplation so that the listener is invited to be where they are without anxiety, without tension, without stress.
0: Let's take a listen to In a Celestial Water Garden by Laraji. That was Laraji in a celestial water garden and that was the piece of music that Laraji would choose to send in, into space. Um, and why that particular piece of music? What do you think the world needs right now?
1: Well, I once heard that the oceans are the neutralizers of our planet. The ne- Water is a neutralizing impact upon the listener's sense of self, the emotional body, the psychological body. And this Track contains water sounds. were recorded in the Catskill Mountains, a live mountain stream. So the actual a flowingness, uh, looseness, hanging loose, being free, unstuck. And the kalimba in this piece is uh, in Africa. It's used in relationship to ancestral energies, an endearing embracing of ancestral energy. And the zither is a wafting drone harmonic drone, so the idea of continuum of consciousness, the entire composition in a celestial water garden is an offering to the the most gentle, blissful, comfortable aspect of the listener. In space, if you see an asteroid coming, put this music on real quick. (laughs) Help to keep things chill.
0: Yeah. When also the connection to triangles, you know, being put on spacecrafts as a symbol yes, of peace, yes. and, and that's within your name. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a beautiful line of yours, feeling is healing, and it's incredibly simple, but it's so, I believe it a thousand percent, because that idea of feeling, of being moved by something, that's why we're here, that's why yes. we're human beings. And music is such a feeling and moving force.
1: It is that indeed. It can generate a sense of movement in a listener who might be immobilized or uh, in a wheelchair and allows their imagination to see themselves dancing, flying and soaring. So you can help someone to connect with a feeling that they don't have a way of connecting with in their present set of perceived circumstances
0: and you saw reactions like that to your music
1: yes I did and as short as I can make it in Florida once playing music for an audience in which a lady who had been delivered in a wheelchair and then she was moved to the pew sat to the music at the end of the concert people gave their comments and she said as you can see I can't walk but when I was listening to your music in my imagination I saw myself dancing a month or so later, I'm at the same church. After the service, I see this woman walking toward me with another man, and she looked familiar, and she came closer, and she says, Laraji, I'm the person who was in your workshop last month, and here's my dance teacher. She was uh, walking, and she was studying dance. So the music had helped her to feel herself dancing and moving. such an emotional imagination and, and flow there.
0: I saw, doing this music dementia study that I did in the UK, I saw amazing responses. You know, people who were non-verbal, singing along to songs they'd never heard, Um, people who were virtually catatonic, getting up and dancing. And so I think that power of music is so, you know, particularly when when the intention is as it is, you know, is so Mm. amazing.
1: Music in every culture, it does startle me when I hear someone say they don't like music or my folks don't like music. Uh, I would imagine the music that they've heard distracts them from a place where they want to maintain. uh, I would say there's some form of music, even if you don't classify it as music. I mean, if you were to go out of your body into another area of the universe and feel horrified, and you come back and you hear street sounds and taxi cabs and sirens here, that would be a form of music to your ears because, it <laughs> yeah, I'm back. <laughs> music, the significance of the sound patterns that you hear and how you uh, embrace them.
0: So moving to the part of the show, uh, which is always sad, or maybe not sad, um, given who I'm speaking to, um, what is the song that you would like to have play at your memorial?
1: Uh, hey, look, he's moving. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, the one that was the
0: infinite
1: sun. The, the infinite sun, yes, that would probably represent um, the base of where I would be at that time, yes, merging into the the oneness.
0: It was the first time I'd heard it, and we're going to play it in just a moment. Um But I played it, and then I played it again, and I played it again, and I just thought, this is. This is great. I could have this on infinite loop. Um mm. so this is Kula Shaker and Infinite Sun. She changes everything she touches, and everything she touches, changes.
1: She changes everything she touches,
0: everything she touches, changes. Yeah. So good. That was Infinite Sun by Kula Shaker, uh, and that was Laraji's choice of a song that he would have play at his memorial. Um, And why that song particularly?
1: Uh, The reference to the sun, once again, Laraji, sun, uh, reference to the sun as a divine being that touches all of us, uh, sharing, caring, nurturing, life-sustaining energy so that that song would be to focus on the sun as a
0: sun not
1: on an individual person
0: wonderful and just you know thinking about your life and that it's impossible to even get a tenth of it in this show maybe even a hundredth of it in this show but do you feel that serendipity and um i mean coincidences i don't like that word but you know, I know that even with your connection to Brian Eno, who left his number in on a you know piece of paper in your was it a hat or a zither case? Zither case, um, and you hadn't heard of him except for someone had mentioned his name to you maybe a, a month before.
1: Yes, Fripanino. They were trying to hit me to Fripanino and said that I might be uh, interested in checking out their music. I didn't have the opportunity to find any of that music before, Brian himself found me in Washington Square Park playing Zither one night. And then he extended the opportunity to join him on the project, the ambient series. It might've been the first time I've heard the word ambient. So the next day when I met with him, he made a very polite attempt to uh, explain what it was about. And uh, I'm not sure I got it, but I thought that if we went in the studio, something interesting could happen. And uh, it took my couple of years for me to buddy up to the word ambient. And uh, after a while, I said, hey, you know, that experience I had in 1974 was a cosmic ambient experience. Sound was everywhere, uh, the field, the presence.
0: I think it's also that um, sometimes frustration with genres because genres are by nature limiting. You know, you put something in one box um, it sort of exists in that box in people's minds rather than being, you know, if it is music of the spheres, it can be any genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can understand because I, I find that myself frustrating at times. Um, so the last question in your Orange Juice for the Year selection, not the final question, but the final choice what is the record that you would pass on to the next generation?
1: Uh, did I give you an answer to that already? You did. <laughs> As I think about so, it, I would probably change it to Happy Foot Song. What, oh, what, what, yeah. The Happy Foot Song. Yeah, so what?
0: you gave me Magical Mystery Tour and you gave me the, the track to play is The Fool on the Hill.
1: Oh, yes, The Fool on the Hill. It's uh, uh, It's supportive of people doing their own thinking and finding their own connections to the mystical side of life and owning it in spite of what others are thinking of them.
0: And just looking at all of your choices, or all, all the music, because also I feel like even trying to limit the music that inspires you into, into the show is impossible. But if you're thinking about the music that inspires you and some of those examples you've given today, what is the thread that connects all of them?
1: That the listener is... Uh, container of a cosmic commonwealth uh, bliss and that they are eternal and that when we take off the layers um, either through listening to music through dancing through whatever practice that we discover a timeless unscathed pristine jewel of ourself the eternal present moment
0: beautiful um and thinking about music and humanity today what do you think we've gained, and what do you think we've lost? I think
1: we, st- we still have the joy when I see music that supports dancing and celebration. Uh, what have we lost? I don't know if I'm qualified to say, to make a general statement, because with the electronics in, we have, we've collapsed the time space that people can listen to the same music at the same time all over the planet. So what we've lost, maybe a little sense of separateness, in a shared experience
0: and what is it that you hope to leave behind with the work that you've done and you're continuing to do
1: nothing (laughs) i hope to leave nothing behind uh taking it all with me (laughs) no uh really i don't think there is a behind or a forward i believe that uh when I go, I'll, I'll be just arriving all over the place. There will there'll be no behind. <laughs> um, so what? I, I don't hope to leave anything behind. <laughs> just become more present with the, all that is.
0: Well, mm. you have contributed so much and I know that even if you're taking it all with you people will (laughs) continue to find it somehow Um, thank you so much Laraji it was so wonderful such an honour to have you here and we're going to now listen to The Fool on the Hill by The Beatles Day after day Alone on a hill The man with the foolish grin is keeping perfectly still But nobody wants to know